In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Having just celebrated uh, the great dispensation granted us by Bishop Burbage to be able to eat meat on Friday last in observance of what in Ireland is a holy day of obligation and a solemnity in honor of the great Saint Patrick, I'm reminded of the, the arduous walking pilgrimage that some um, complete in his honor in Ireland, whether it be simply walking up Crow Patrick, which uh, looks out at the Atlantic Ocean from which the top of which St. Patrick spent Lent, or even doing the whole Toar Porig, the way of Patrick from Ballantubber Abbey, 22 miles away, uh, through fields and pastures and uh, farms and trails, and then completing Crow Patrick at the end of that. Along the way, there are little signs um, that just barely give you uh, enough help to be able to find uh, the path, because it's not a real uh, dedicated path. It's just simply a, a mildly worn out trail that um, goes across um, private property, actually, most of the way. And on these wooden posts, there's a little symbol uh, emblematic of St. Patrick, and frequently next to that symbol or underneath that symbol are two words, no whining. <laughs> We're very good at whining. The first reading gave us, you know, among the most understandably um, reasonable biblical examples of whining. Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? All it takes is two inches of snow, three inches of snow. You know, the, the birds are smarter than we are. They, they're, they're gathering on the top of the hill and the tops of the trees the day before the snow, right? They can feel the air pressure decrease. They know something is about to happen. That's when they're squawking, right? They get each other's attention and they fly to wherever they fly before the storm hits. We squawk after the storm. <laughs> it's already come and gone. And we're complaining that we had to put on a sweater or we had to put on a raincoat. Granted, for some people, inclement weather is rather dangerous. Some people lose their power. Some people need their, their sidewalks cleared. It prevents them from getting to the hospital. That should be our first thought, not I have to go into my closet and put on a piece of clothing that I haven't had to use in several months. Woe is me. I think in, in my generation, when we were growing up, there was, a, a, there was something of an uh, expectation that if there were older neighbors nearby, you shoveled your walk and then you shoveled theirs. And then maybe you held out your hand to get a tip. And so it was, a, it, was, it was a joy for the first time in I don't know how many years 
Someone, one of the youngsters in the parish contacted me and said, um, the morning's free, do you have any snow that we need to shovel? And obviously my first reaction was, how much are you charging? <laughs> but instead they just wanted a blessing, so they got more than a blessing, we had, a, we had mass here um, after they were done shoveling the sidewalks. I, I, when, I, when I try to make sense of my generation that's now parents and will eventually be grandparents, some of us already are, I know that we, ha we had less than the children who are growing up now. We, we even had black and white TV. Um, we probably had to use a manual implement to open up cans. We, um, we, we, needed, we had to use phones that were connected to the wall with a, with a rubber coil. We, we actually know what it means to, to dial a phone number. And I think there are many in my generation who weren't exactly spoiled, but they maybe expected that the dawning of this new technological age or the, the great advancement in technology would mean that there will be no suffering whatsoever, no inconvenience. So what I find is that we don't sound, when we complain about simple things, we don't sound like the species to which God has entrusted care of the universe. He didn't bless us with fangs or claws or fur, but he endowed us with an immortal soul and a rational mind to figure things out. There's a beautiful uh, antiphon that has been for many, many, many centuries, the, the communion meditation for this mass, for the third Sunday of Lent. When you um, either return to your pews after Holy Communion, um, or even maybe during the offertory, want to look at it. It's from Psalm 84, or in the Vulgate, Psalm 83. And it, it, it's, it's very familiar, but it, 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 the, the profundity of it is easily missed. Passer in venit sibi domum et tornidum. So the, the sparrow finds its home and the swallow its nest, ubi reponat pulusuas, where it will um, rest and feed its young, or where it will nest with its young. Altaria tua domine virtutum, at your altars, O Lord of power, rex meus, my king, deus meus, my God, beati qui habitant in domo tua, at your altars where they dwell in your home, in seculum seculum laudabunte, and praise you and will praise you forever. So when we, when we think of this, when, as the sparrow finds its home and the swallow finds its nest, it sounds very lovely and pretty and, and sweet, right? We think of swallows and 
and sparrows, and they're just always happy, right, if they are capable of happiness. Well, think of this. Think of, the, think of the, the turmoil in which a bird lives. Its young are eaten by larger birds and by snakes. It has, it, it, it's always outside. It always has to find living things to eat that don't want to be eaten. And they're usually covered in dirt. And so the psalmist is saying, the the sparrows, they find their own home. They don't fly around saying, who's 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 gonna make me a home? Where am I gonna make my home? Oh, they make their home wherever they land. They're smart enough to figure out this is a good place to nest. That's not a good place. They find it themselves. Why can't we do the same? There's nothing in this material world that should give us so much fright. If there are things that are potentially dangerous, it should first give us thought of who needs my help? With whom do I need to band together to get through this? There's no storm, there's no event that should really cause us great fear. What should cause us great fear? The fact that I can be the cause of my own undoing, my sinfulness, my lack of faith, my lack of hope, my fear, my stupidity, my greed, my laziness, my vanity. These cause me to to worry about myself, to think about myself, instead of realizing God made me a majestic creature to do great things. The opening antiphon, the entrance antiphon, or the intuit, as we call it, says that we, our eyes are fixed on you, O Lord, who keep our feet free from the snares. As a, as a little kid, if you're like me, it doesn't matter what generation you grew up in, probably you walked up the stairs looking down at your feet. You were afraid of missing the step, right? I remember as a kid, it's a weird thought to remember. I remember as a kid, I don't know how old, three, four, five, six, wondering, when am I going to be able to walk up the stairs looking ahead and not looking at my feet? It was very conscious when I realized I don't have to be looking at my feet anymore. I can even go up the stairs in the dark. The world that's full of demonic snares and sinful traps is the world in which we need to keep our eyes fixed on God. He will keep our feet on the path. He won't let us be tripped up. But if we rely on ourselves, and we're, and we're staring at our feet, we'll fall into a pit. We know the place that is safe, in the arms of God, in his church, with his sacraments, where we will praise him at his altars 
and praise him forever in heaven. And so like a smart bird, we'll, we'll, we'll be aware of danger when it comes our way. And we'll, we'll be conscious of what really is a danger and what really does deserve our attention and what demands us to take care of each other. And when it's all over, no matter what we've suffered, we will rejoice. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.